It's good to have everybody here this morning. We're in Proverbs chapter 8 this morning as we move along. And so we encourage you to find that. I hope that you are all considering with me just to read a proverb a day. It won't kill you. Um, And probably if you uh, work your way through that, you will probably have read through Proverbs dozens of times by the time we're done with this series. And again, you say, well, why would we do that, Pastor? Well, if for no other reason other than I ask you to, um, I'd encourage you to do it. But, but keep in mind, the simple things of the Bible become complex when God begins to teach you what it's actually about. And so uh, there you go. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you, Lord God. You are a great and mighty God. We are so thankful, Father, for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So throughout the book of Proverbs, there are, there are just times where it just seems to take a turn. Or, or begin to transition, and I don't have any idea why it's put together the way it is. Um, uh, I, I do know that there are just real consistent times where it just looks like the subject matter um, and its presentation changed. And so I want you to look at the 12th verse again, because in my opinion, after the 12th verse of chapter 8, the, the rest of the chapter changes, chapter 9 changes, chapter 10 is different. And so we'll begin to see some of these things. And, and I just, again, want to kind of encourage you a little bit to remember that, that tradition tells us that this was likely written, you know, by a, a father to a son, but it's also been taught by a father to the guy who's writing it. And so what we find in the book of Proverbs, generally speaking, is this overarching theme that this is a simple way through one, almost through one-liners to begin to process and help your life by something called wisdom. And we're going to find out in, in Proverbs chapter 8 after verse 13 that Proverbs is, we're, we're going to get a history lesson of it. And we're going to find out that wisdom existed from the beginning. Uh, before there was anything else, um, the, the writer said wisdom was, was there. So we're going to begin to make a transition potentially, um, where wisdom in, in the first eight chapters, and it will happen again, oftentimes is given a personality, oftentimes it's a female personality, and we're going to see in, in chapter eight that, that probably the person of God is actually the picture of wisdom, and so we begin to see those, those things, and, and it's just an interesting read. So here we are in Proverbs chapter eight, verse 12, kind of the last verse of that first part of of that part of Proverbs, but it says, I wisdom, again, personality and and personhood, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. Within the old King James, it says, I uh, wisdom dwell with prudence and the knowledge of witty inventions. The idea behind this is that wisdom from God poured out from heaven is really why we have some of the stuff that we have. So I've dealt with entrepreneurial type of people and they have these these really crazy ideas just go where'd you come up with that you know and and what you'll find is just studying history that oftentimes when God begins to pour out from heaven whatever you think that means that will also splash over on the world so whether you believe in some of the things that have happened over the last few years or the last hundred years you will probably find in the church a reflection of what God was doing, or in the world, of what God was doing in the church. So one of the great revelations that happened during the hippie movement, 
the love child movement, the let's all go to Woodstock and, you know, do whatever movement, what you'll probably find there that is in the church, there was an outpouring of God's love. It kind of flowed over on people who didn't know what they were doing. If you've, if you've not gone to go, what's the name of the movie, Tracy, that the Jesus, Jesus Revolution? Okay, so you see some of those people and some of those kinds of things. And, and, and if you paid attention, you saw how the church treated the hippies and, and all that kind of stuff. And all of us, gray-haired folks, chased off all of those who weren't like us. You know, that's what we wanted to do. And, and what God did was, was he was pouring love out. So you'll see that reflection. My point is that wisdom applied will give you the knowledge of how to regulate your relationship with God and regulate that relationship through you to the world. Okay. What happens in the church oftentimes is that we end up in a position where we don't like what's happening to us. And our temptation is to believe no one should ever do us wrong. And our temptation could be to just be payback people. Right? And I may have talked about this last week. If you want to get even with somebody, you will have to descend from your God-given position of being in heaven. You'll have to descend to the level of people who don't act like Jesus. Christians do it all the time. Wisdom will tell you, stay up here, right? So whatever's happening in your world, just be cautious about this and have an understanding of what God's trying to show us. All right, so then in verse number 13, notice what it says there. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. We found out in, in, in several chapters ago that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so we begin to see here that God's going to change, not really change, but, but give us a different perspective of this. Notice what he's talking about here. Hate evil. Okay? The ongoing... For, for darkness, for evil to have an effect, the only necessity is that goodness leaves. Darkness flees at the speed of light. Right? Okay, if we turned all the lights off in here, and we would say, boy, it's dark. The moment that you turn a light on, darkness flees at the speed that the light gets to your eyes. Does that make sense? Okay, so spiritually then, people are always trying to defeat the devil and do all these kinds of things and blaming all this stuff on them. Listen, with the application of light through you, literally the wisdom of God through you, evil will flee at the speed of light. Evil does not flee from evil. That's why the Bible says not rendering evil for evil. Are you tracking? And so when, when, when you have these kinds of difficulties... You have to process these things and recognize that the only way for evil to flee is not for you to prove your point. It's for the, it's, it's for the light of God to shine through you. And so there's just some things you're just going to have to, quote unquote, ignore. And you say, well, that's not right. Okay, please, as you read about wisdom, please don't think of wisdom as fair Wisdom's not fair. God chooses to pour out upon his people. In fact, coming up, there's a one, that, what verse is that? It says, if I love wisdom, it loves me or something like that. We'll get to it. But, but 
see, if, if you don't understand this, what will happen is that you'll end up processing things through a human or natural uh, uh, concept of how wisdom works. Wisdom turns the light of God on. Did you know that wisdom can't be argued with? See, most of the time what happens is the reason people are arguing is because the argue is about who gets to be right. Come on, let's just talk about our spouse for a second. Have you ever argued hoping to, through your eloquent, wor- eloquent words or your positionality or however you want to say it, that all of a sudden you're going to educate your spouse? I'll just tell you, he or she pushes back a little bit against that because the Bible says if you'll submit to one another as into Christ, right, if the, if the husband will act like Jesus Christ, the wife will submit. The wife shouldn't submit to non-Jesus Christ application. Well, amen. <laughs> so when you hate evil, inside of all of that is this pride. Pride and arrogance, the next part of that verse says, verse 13. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Now, I don't know how much more clearly I need to say this, but don't misinterpret. Wisdom hates these things. Do you see? I'm not saying God doesn't. I'm saying in this context, wisdom hates these things. It is wise for you to hate pride and arrogance and a perverse mouth but he's not asking you to hate it in others hello come on how many of you have ever walked into a conversation and realized that the people that you thought you understood who probably should be talking differently are not talking much like Christians how many of you ever recognized that how many have ever started in just in a casual setting and you're in five or six, this happens to me all the time, you're five or six people, you know, right? And, and somebody who doesn't know who you are begins to tell an off-color joke. That's normal for them. They, and you say, wait a minute here. Do you, what do you, what? He's asking us not to have these things. We don't get to have control over other people. I will tell you, in the church, outside the church, because of the church, you're going to hear occasionally some perverse and evil things come out of people you expect it not to come out of. So buckle up. Right? And you say, well, shouldn't we stop that? It's not our responsibility. I mean, not totally. How many of you tried to educate your kid? And had them resist the great wisdom that you have because you've been through exactly what they're trying to go through, exactly the way they're goofing, <coughs> goofing up, and you're trying to tell them, here, don't do this. And they're going, I just need to figure this out. And they make mistake upon mistake. Wisdom, you just, you just got to handle this a, a different kind of way. Look, number 14. Uh, this is Proverbs 8 and 14. Counsel is mine. And sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. If you just spend one minute in that verse, you will see that wisdom intends to produce this kind of fruit in you. Let me explain fruit to you. The seed you plant is not the fruit. Okay? If, if I, I'm going to pick on Donnie because he's sitting right in front of me. If I'm going to help Donnie... And I plant a seed in his life 
and I go out and say, you can't believe the fruit I have in my life because I'm helping Don. No, <laughs> when you plant the seed, the production of that seed in his life is the fruit. Come on, track with me a little bit. Just because you, <laughs> just because you give to the church, for example... Your seed produces fruit that you share in because of the soil you put the, the seed in. Not just because you put the seed in. You say, well, but that's my fruit. Your fruit's always turned into seed when you let loose of it. See, wisdom gives you that understanding. See, there's all kinds of people out in the world today thinking that they're helping folks. How many of you know that, and forgive me if this gets too close to anybody, but how many of you recognize that if you create a safe space for people to be stupid, all you'll do is collect stupid people? <laughs> Duh. And we say we're producing fruit. No, we're not. Well, not the kind of fruit we want. Right? Are we tracking? And then good-hearted people say, well, we should do this because these people deserve to be safe. Safety is not encapsulated in a building. It's a person. Wisdom gives you that understanding. I've had people come to us, you know, I don't know how we got to this place, but there have been times in in the history of, of my time here where other pastors knew kind of how our heart worked and all that kind of stuff, and and then other people. And I've honestly been called by local businesses and other churches because they heard we help people. And so somebody will come, and and Jeremy, Jeremy, weren't you here when that guy kiddied out of here? Oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, he didn't remember that 18 months ago he was here with his hand out. And at the time, we gave him, in fact, I think Larry was involved, we gave him, Larry took him and put some gas in his car. He disappears for 18 months, comes back 18 months later. (coughs) One of us hasn't forgot. And, well, I can't believe you're a Christian. Don't, you know, don't you want to help? Well, here's here's the thing. Wisdom begins to put a demand on the seed, If you come back 18 months later and tell me the same story, I might remember. You can try. (laughs) Yes. I am saying that. Although sometimes it's me. <laughs> okay, it's... <laughs> sorry. You're getting, you're getting inside into our friendship. <laughs> Listen, God doesn't need us as such. He chooses us. Okay? So he chooses to move through us. He doesn't need us to do it. It's a very awkward understanding because what most of us, some of us think, and present company excluded, I'm talking about other people who aren't here to defend themselves. <laughs> well, what many people do is they end up in a position where God isn't going to get this done unless I do it. God isn't going to help these people unless I do it. Jesus said, you'll have the poor with you. 
or pick the thing. I was telling somebody the other day about the, uh, the, the, the ten virgins story in Matthew chapter 25. You understand that five of those virgins prepared and had oil. Five of them didn't. This is verses 1 through maybe 8. Five of them prepared, five of them didn't. When the bridegroom came, the five who had not prepared came to the others and said, Give us some oil. And they said, Go out and buy and sell and get your own oil. Now, I don't mean to imply that God is this nasty guy up in heaven who doesn't help people, but I am saying that you have a responsibility to function in wisdom and be prepared. God doesn't punish the prepared people for not rescuing the unprepared people. Now, that's a part of it. We don't operate all the time that way. So back to the story, who, the guy who peeled out in our yard. <laughs> you know, we're not Christians anymore because he peeled out in our yard. And then he called back to chew Jeremy out. <laughs> okay. If Jeremy gives that guy in the name of the church, a seed, okay? The fruit of us as a church ends up in our control, right? I mean, we'd love to say God's always in control of that, but the fact of the matter is we have to tr trust our leaders and all that kind of stuff. So then we make a, a, a decision from the fruit of your life, you plant a seed into the church. The church uses it to produce fruit with which we pluck some fruit and we take that fruit which now becomes a seed in our hand and we plant it. What should happen where we plant the seed? There should be fruit. When somebody comes back 18 months later, having refused to grow the fruit and is still saying, I need the seed, we have a responsibility and everybody that works here knows that we will help people oftentimes without any questions the first time. Second time, we've got questions. And if we help you a second time, the third time, we're family. And we're going to get in your business. Because wisdom requires, right? Wisdom requires it. See, that's why he says, counsel is mine, verse 14. And I have sound wisdom and understanding and strength. By me, kings reign. <coughs> Excuse me. So we are kings and priests unto our God. Half a dozen times throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find that scripture. Kings and priests unto our God. All right. So through that then, in the kingship of ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ on this earth, Psalms 115, verse 16, or the other way around, um, the heavens and all that's in them belongs to God, but the children God has given, or the earth, the earth God has given to the children of men. Okay? So he's given us a, a dominion or a reigning here through him. Thank you. There it is right there. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So through Jesus Christ, when, when we... When we, through his sacrifice, regained spiritual dominion over what God had given us, we now have a responsibility to use the wisdom that is him in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 tells us that he is wisdom to us. Jesus Christ is wisdom to us. And so we have to use that that way. And so when we study these scriptures, we're finding out this is how he does it. So we need these things because if not, we will be our own counsel. 
when that man came back and wanted us to do the exact same thing again, and I told him the story, and I said, I remember you from before. You had the same story. You had the same disease. You were preparing to die. You needed to get to the same place to be with family a year ago. And counsel, affected by the world, says, well, what would it hurt to give? Okay, probably nothing. Probably nothing. But wisdom has a demand placed on your responsibility. I probably had $20 in my pocket when that happened. I could hand him $20. And by the way, the world, just to get rid of the in-your-face thing, would have probably done that. You say, man, that's terrible. I'm trying to show you to the best that I can that wisdom personified in us is Jesus Christ and his direction through us. Right? Does that make sense? I hope it does. By me, verse 15, kings reign, rulers decree justice. A decree is literally the announcement of heavenly fact. The announcement of heavenly fact. <laughs> I can decree to you that thou shalt not park in my parking spot. I can decree that to you. But my parking spot doesn't exist in heaven. So in park wherever you want. Right now, if we happen to get a plaque that says this belongs to the most reverend, holy potentate, Glenn, then maybe you shouldn't park there. I don't know. But are you, are you tracking with me? See, what happens is that, that these rulers, by wisdom, decree justice. When a person dies without Jesus Christ, the justice that God offers them in the end times is a recognition that they're there on purpose because they, they rejected Jesus Christ, not because they're a terrible person, necessarily. Jesus is the way into heaven, not your good actions. And so there's going to be, when, the, when Revelation chapter 21 and the books are opened and you know, death and hell are raised up, there's going to be a, a recognition, an impartation of wisdom on why people end up on the bad side of this coin flip that you think you're living. Amen. Notice it says by me, verse 16, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. You are in a legal position based on the wisdom of Jesus Christ in you. You are in a legal position to live your life according to principles that exist in heaven. You are a judge of that. Now, if you use that judgment to tell somebody that they don't know what's going on and they're stupid as a pile of rocks, you've missed the point. Right? You've missed the point. God provides for us through his wisdom. Notice it says in verse number 17, here's the verse. He says, I love those who love me. There's an expression that comes out of this. When you love wisdom, wisdom loves you. What does that mean? It's recognizable. You don't have to guess in many cases <laughs> whether or not my wife loves me. You can say, well, how could she? See, no, because when God puts two people together like that, wisdom is imparted to such a degree, and because of love, there is an expression that makes that. That's why when people 
leave their marriage vows and go do something outside of the wisdom of God. It's plain to everybody. It's plain to everybody. People say, and I've had people in my office that were absolutely convinced that God sent them somebody to to have adultery with or to be in fornication with. I've heard people talk about that. I'm just going, wait, that makes sense to you? Wisdom doesn't do that. Amen. Verse number 18. It says, riches and honor are with me. Now, forgive for a second about the riches and how you might interpret that. Focus in on the honor. Do you know what wisdom does in honor? See, if you don't know what wisdom does in honor, then you'll think honor surrounds you. But honor literally is the magnification of the the person and presence of Jesus Christ in the world. Honor says, you can be a goofball, and I'm going to love you in Jesus Christ. That's what honor does. Honor doesn't seek for its own. The number of young pastors that I deal with, who are pretty sure because of the position, that people should agree with them. I mean, Terry has a story of a pastor he dealt with, who called him after his first board meeting. I hope I'm not oversharing this. (coughs) Called him after his first board meeting and said, Something's wrong with my church. And he said, well, what's going on? He says, they didn't all agree. Wisdom gives us permission to deal with each of us individually and apart from this standard playbook that says you've got to be a particular way. And at New Life, it's okay if you don't agree with the pastor. I happen to believe that when you get to heaven, God will say, hey, you missed it right there. But nonetheless, (laughs) I don't know whether he will or he won't. That's not the point. The point is that that you've got to understand that wisdom allows for us in grace to honor each other through what God has called us to do. Jeremy and I have had a love-hate relationship for 20-some years. He's First of all, he's a different generation, so he thinks different than me, pox on his house. You know, and, and then so when he talks, his language has been learned through the environment and the circumstances he's lived his life in. So is mine. So I talk, he doesn't understand. He talks, and I don't understand. And we smile at each other going, wasn't that fun? <laughs> See, wisdom says, <laughs> are, are you all, all you gray, gray-haired people understanding this, that if you looked around and you didn't see anybody that looked different than us, when you die, we're all done? If all you guys old people and they start croaking, um, pretty soon there ain't going to be people left. We're going to have to learn how to deal. And I just want to tell you something. This generation that's coming up, yeah. I did what I thought was a great growth thing with somebody I was dealing with, and I sent them an email. And I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And get back to me. Well, this is the perfect way to communicate. I don't have to talk for 20 minutes on the phone. I'll just send you this thing out, and of course you'll see it in the next day or two. Send right back the information that I need, and this will work really well. And what I got was an email, and I said, and the, and the person said to me, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't really check my email very much. What are you, stupid? 
I was texting with somebody the other day. So, so I moved up, right? I'm, here I am. I'm in the, in the text. How many of you understand that wisdom allows for us to adapt in the culture and circumstances we live in? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> okay, now, Miss Lonnie, I don't want to pick on you, but the only reason that her and I's generation doesn't, doesn't deal with that is because we're resistant to it. I was texting somebody the other day that was a freckle older than me. And I'm texting away, hey, how is this going, all that kind of stuff. Pretty soon my phone rings. The person says, I can't really text. Let's just talk on the phone. Now, if you don't with this newer generation, they're actually leaving the applications that you all get figured out so they can have their own expression. So they're not on Facebook Messenger. They're doing Snapchat. And you got 37.3 seconds to look at it before it disappears. Well, that's crazy. But listen to yourselves now. Because <clears throat> I said it's crazy. And some of you, many of you went, yeah, that's right. It's crazy. They need to be more like us. They're going to be leading with wisdom when we're gone. You better figure out how to process wisdom through their cultural environment. It doesn't change the message, it changes the method. Wisdom does that. Message doesn't change, right? Come on, you all, if you're old enough, you've been through many of the arguments, right? The arguments of technology. We don't need no stinking technology. Get your hymnal out. We don't need no stinking drums in our church. Get the organ out. Nobody can play it, but get it out anyway. We don't need no stinking new songs. But you see, what happens is those people who stay in the wisdom of their generation and their culture end up being their worst enemy, their own worst enemy. Amen. <laughs> These rewards of wisdom allow us to live in peace in an ever-changing world. Are you tracking with me? And you say... Is that in the, in the book of Proverbs? We should be getting that from the book of Proverbs. We should be getting the reward here that says pride and arrogance and evil ways not a part of that. We should get that reward that counsel is in the hands of that wisdom. That, that sound wisdom comes out of that. Understanding and strength comes out of that. That we find out in, in, in verse number 16 that riches and honor are with wisdom. Honor is one of the... You understand that the reason that there are all the four-walled buildings who can't agree on the purpose and cause of Christ. The reason there's all of those exist is because we honor our approach to the gospel oftentimes more than we honor the gospel. If you're not like us, if you don't walk the aisle we do, if you don't say this thing or do these things and you're not like us, you don't qualify. All the devil has to do to make churches unsuccessful is to magnify the thing they know to such a degree that they'll dishonor the people who don't know it. By the way, don't be looking at other people saying, yeah, that's right, them legalistic people. Pentecostal people do that all the time. Pentecostal people do that all the time. I'm just trying to get you to process with me what wisdom looks like. Verse number 20, he says, I, wisdom again, traverse the way of righteousness. Wisdom walks in a position of right standing with Jesus Christ. 
right? Standing with Jesus Christ, picks others, and does all those painful things that we don't even like to talk about. Skip down if you would, please. <coughs> I want to touch verse 21 just for a second, but, but we're not going to actually. It says, that, that I may cause, so when it traverses the way of righteousness, skip to verse 21, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that they may fill their treasuries. Now, I don't want to make too much out of this, but the reason that many people don't handle their finances well is simply because of a lack of wisdom. It's a lack of wisdom. He promises through this that that wisdom traverses the way of righteousness. Owe no man nothing except to love him. Well, except for your mortgage and your 17 car payments and your 32 credit card payments. Well, no. What happens? We don't traverse the way of righteousness in wisdom. And so to accomplish what we believe God has called us to do, how he's caused us to live, we live outside of God's principles. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Now, for the next 10 verses or so, and for the rest of our, our time here today, I'm going to show you that wisdom existed previous to God doing anything else. So this, this really focuses in on what Brother Terry was saying to us. This really focuses in on the fact that wisdom is the person of God or the person of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Now, I love the language here because it's a really strong word. It literally could be translated, and the Lord owned me at the beginning. Wisdom belongs to God. It cannot be made outside of godly intervention. You can be smart all by yourself, but you can't be wisdom. You can't have wisdom without God. Does that make sense? Possessed it. And look what he says. He says, before his works of old, just an interesting sidelight of before anything that God did, wisdom was there. The implication is that whatever God did, and because he doesn't change, whatever he does, he does through an expression of wisdom. Are we together? Okay, look at this. I have been established from everlasting. Literally, there was an establishment of wisdom in eternity. You won't find this language about much else. You know, you can find in the beginning there was God. But you come here to this, and what you'll find is in the beginning there was God, and God had wisdom. I've been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was ever an earth. How cool is that? Okay, are you ready? (laughs) When you process earthly living, process it with the understanding that God made it in wisdom. Are you ready? At some point in the future, there will be a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. And however we're making electricity and energy and function, God planned in wisdom for there to be enough of that to accomplish what he set out to accomplish. And all man is doing, and this is going to sound kind of political, but I, I don't mean it to. I'm just saying all that man does is come up with an idea to make up for the lack because they don't understand the wisdom of God. Does that make sense? So he says in verse 22, he says, I've been, uh, uh, 
23, I've been established from, the, from everlasting, from the beginning before there was ever an earth. God put in motion everything that we would need, including the future. Doesn't mean you can be stupid about how you handle it. It just means that nothing that man comes up with is going to fix what God has already done for you. Right? So if you want a windmill in your backyard, it's okay, I don't care. You know, get it for free or whatever you think it is. You ever notice how, how the world has to sell you stuff that goes against what God's already provided? Isn't that interesting? Just a thought. Verse 24, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. Again, you say, well, okay, so what? It implies that God created wisdom. Before there was wisdom, God brought it forth. He said, this is what wisdom's going to look like. Notice it says, before the mountains, verse 25, or verse 24, before there were, uh, when there were no fountains abounding with water. There he was. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. What do you suppose primal dust of the world is? Isn't that interesting? Before you as a body were created out of the dust of the ground, wisdom came up with your plan. You were made by the primal dust of the earth through God's wisdom. Now, take that into everything we live by. That makes every person important. Every baby worth something. You know, all the things that you all would, would say, but we would, we, would, we would argue trying to be right rather than saying, you know what, this is what God did. This is what God did. Verse number 26, um, or verse number 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. (laughs) You may not see this in this verse 28, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. But can I point out to you, and all you northeastern Colorado guys, pay attention here. Because he strengthened the fountains of the deep because he knew we would live here. Water's not going to run out. You say, how do you know that? Because I know God. He strengthened the fountains of the deep. We can manage our water issues, whatever they, you think they might be, with wisdom. When he assigned the sea its limit, when the global warming people come to you and say that Florida will be underwater, by the way, they've been saying California is going to fall off because of the earthquake and Florida is going to be, going to be uh, drowned because of global warming. By the way, the first time I heard that was in the 70s. The wisdom of the world oftentimes doesn't have a reason to believe what they believe. It's almost always self-serving. So what he said was, when he established the sea and its limits, the sea is being held back by the limits of wisdom. Now, I didn't mean for this to become all of this. God meant for this to become all of this. Are you with me? See, you say, well, I just don't believe what they're saying. Great. Believe what God is saying. He set 
the limits of the sea. Antarctica is not going to become a beach vacation draw. I'm sorry. He set a limit. He set a limit. You say, well, they're telling me it's, it's defrosting. Well, I almost said something unkind. I don't care what anybody says. God set a limit. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means he set a limit in your life, too. And when you live short of that limit, God has something better for you. When you handle your own problems, God has something better for you. But you've got to operate in his stuff. Right? See his limit, verse 29, so that the waters would not transgress his command. Isn't that interesting? When he marked out the foundations of the earth, <laughs> then I was beside him as a master craftsman. Wisdom put the earth in order the way it exists today. Take that however you need to, but I'll help you a little bit. Um, the order of the earth today is man and woman. Anything outside of that lacks wisdom. Sorry. You say, that's right, that's why we need to convince them. Just tap the brakes for a second. Wisdom loves people that are confused. Because he loved you when you were confused. When I was confused. I was beside him. Now notice, I love this verse in verse 30, or yeah, verse 30 the, the middle part of it. And it said, I was daily his delight. Isn't that interesting? Wisdom put a smile on the face of God. That's pretty cool. So let me just ask you for just a second. If God is smiling at wisdom, how does he look at you? You know, it, do you all know when, when a parent or somebody has a stink eye, you know, and they, they give you one of these kind of thing? What are they doing? They're looking at you based on behavior. Okay, how does God look at you? In wisdom. He sees you as the fruit of his seed of creation. You're designed by him to produce these things. When you're not, he's not judging you. He's working behind the scenes, in the scenes, and all over the place, getting you to that place to function in wisdom. Amen. Verse 31, rejoicing in his, in his inhabited world. And my delight was the sons of men. Do you see it? Wisdom is its happiness, happiest, when it's functioning through you. I love this. I love chapter 8 of Proverbs. It's, my, it's probably my favorite, favorite proverb because of what it has hidden in it. Notice in verse 32, Now therefore listen to me, my children. Okay, so he went all the way through all this going, Wow, look at how God thinks about us and how God sees us and how the world moves based on wisdom. And then he says, Now. So whenever you see that in the Bible, now, or you see therefore, pay attention because God's going to give you a zinger. Okay? Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. 
He just told you how to live a life of blessedness, of favor. Literally, the word blessed there and blessed often comes from the word that we get eulogy from, which means to speak well of. Okay, when in, in Malachi chapter um, 3, when he says, I'll pour out a blessing, that, he uses the word for, for eulogy there. What's he say? He said, I'm going to pour out a word for you, a word from heaven that speaks well of you. Do any of you have the idea that it would be great if God was talking about you? I like that idea. <laughs> and, when, and when God, happy as a father would be, points down and says, look at there. Look what that guy's doing. Look what that woman's doing. Look at there. Look at my wisdom being manifested through them. Because what's he saying? He says, they're blessed. They're spoken well of when they do that. Verse 34. Blessed is a man who listens to me. Verse 35. Whoever finds me finds life. Verse 36. He who sins against me wrongs his own soul. I don't have time, but we'll pick it up there next week. But I want you to, I want you to, to kind of focus in on it. He wrongs his own soul. His own will, intellect, and emotional content is wronged by the lack of wisdom. Your emotions are goofy. Your thinking is goofy. Your understanding is goofy because of that ignorance in wisdom. Amen? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for teaching us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.